You're listening to the Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team, and this week we're doing a deep dive into Horizon Forbidden West. But first, we're breaking down all the biggest news stories of the week. Let's go! Remember last week when I was like, maybe I should get a more like official opening, and then I like tried to sing a little song. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Now. I can't figure out. <laughs> it bothered like, like a little ditty, like or or like a backing track. Well, we do we so like I say what we're gonna talk about, and then a song plays, and then we start talking, and that's been fine for like 26 episodes, but now all of a sudden I'm like, no, and we we I need to have some other lead into the show. So that was it. For this week, it's me agonizing over how I don't know how to start the show. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the news portion of the Gamer Podcast. Yep. Great start. Uh, Jake King is here. Hello. And George Foster's here. Hello. And these are your gamer news stories of the <laughs> week. <laughs> That's my okay, let's talk about this bizarre Street Fighter Six reveal. There's a lot of... The feet. Yes, there's a lot of bizarre <laughs> things about this. First of all... They had a countdown. Capcom had a countdown that I guess was meant to coincide with the end of a tournament. But then the tournament didn't end and the countdown just kept going. Yeah. It was like half an hour extra, I think. I saw someone Really? Yeah. yeah. So it was, just, it was just stuck at one for ages and everyone's like, right, so this is definitely Street Fighter 6 then. Well, and the countdown had started like a week early. Like it had yeah, been, it people had been staring on. at it for like a week and then it didn't end. Uh, and then when it did end, it turned out that it was Street Fighter VI. And what we were shown was bizarre for, like, so many reasons. So sweaty. <laughs> George, you want to describe like, not... what that trailer was? So, so it, it, oh. yeah, Jake, you go for it. You've got the, you've got the floor. So I think it was, it was Ryu and some other dude. Luke. Street Fighter, in it? Was it Luke? Or yeah, Leon? so th- this, is what's, this is what's weird about it, I guess, is that... Luke was the final DLC character Street Fighter V, and at the time they described him as the future Street Fighter. Yeah, they didn't say why. He's still really like generic and uninteresting, so I, I don't know what that dude. means. But he's here, so I guess he's the future of it. So it's the trailer li- was essentially just these two sweaty boys, like, <laughs> and lots of epic music, lots of like weirdly horny close-ups of like specific sweaty parts of their body, like mm. reused feet. Which were like immaculately was... rendered, and his little toes wiggled. That was his gross. biceps, yeah, didn't, didn't like his that. fists, his bulge, as as, as Stacy wrote about on the website. But yeah, it it was only like a forty second teaser with like some hype music, and then as they go to punch each other, it transitions into the ink motif that we've seen carried across Street Fighter Four and Five. Yeah, mm. that's really all we saw of the game. We don't know when it's coming out. Yeah. And it emerged that the logo was bought off a stock website. Uh, yeah, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But this this 40-second trailer is just, like, extreme angles of uh, just, like, highly rendered models. So rendered. The vein. No everywhere. gameplay. Just Maybe like it was, you know, next and, year. And not necessarily even indicative of any kind of an art style either. Just no, like yeah, really. that's what's weird. It, it just looks like the RE engine. It was like it somewhat just, photorealistic. It just yeah. It's definitely the RE engine, which is good. Like w- that engine has not failed us once. 
You know, every game they apply it to it has been a banger. So that's true. It's versatile. What, what intrigues me, um, and I guess like maybe like me and maybe like ten other people care about this, but it's really interesting that Luke, his face is like a lot more scarred up than he was in five. Mm-hmm. And then Ryu, like he's finally shedded like his normal appearance. He's now like, I guess, eternally hot Ryu and he's got sandals and he's like missing his gi. And Someone's dad. It, it, it's just weird. It's like it's like it's evolving the canon. Um, I don't know how many people care about the canon. I'm not even like a massive Street Fighter fan, but that does intrigue me. Mm-hmm. I'd like them do to do something like like a direct continuation of six, in, of five in terms of lore. Because as you said, like this character has been pitched as the future of Street Fighter, so in a way, it would make sense to carry over that lineage. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Luke's going to be pegged as like. Luke's gonna be pegged. There's your, there's your headline. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, that trailer, just maybe. He's gonna be the next protagonist. I think that that's what it came off as to me. Like he is like the he must be important for some reason. I know he's yeah. like an MMA fighter, and maybe they're just trying to show off that Street Fighter is going more. It doesn't go more realistic. I don't know. It doesn't they make sense. They should have made Ryu like an old man though. Yeah. yeah. Why couldn't he have it, just been like in his sixties in this game? Age him up and he's still... Hell yeah, that would have been awesome. That would be so cool. Mm. Grey-haired Ryu. So, That's it, I, I don't know. It's weird. So, yeah. Yuga so, Chun-Li, like, get, get it. <laughs> so we see their bulges. That's pretty much it. And then mm. we see this logo. And everyone's first instinct was, there's something off about this logo. Because <laughs> it, it is nothing like this sort of, like, messy spray paint style nothing of like, like four and five there's like no kind of like nft like <laughs> yeah there's like no visual continuity it. it's just it's very modern it's very generic it's like you know just the sort of two letters in a geometric pattern that you would see on an app it mm. looks like the it looks like the icon of an iphone app yeah and somebody said to themselves huh that kind of looks like a stock asset and then two seconds later, found the actual stock asset from Adobe that it was, I don't know, bought or ripped off. I mean, what do you think happened here? Didn't, didn't they say something like, I've seen headlines, loads of headlines about it, that they want to be, they want to give the license to Capcom. But they're like, yeah, you can have this if you want. So I guess Adobe wants to it? give them. But yeah, I, I, it's, I saw something like that as if like, they hadn't paid for it, like as if it was <laughs> yeah. just you know maybe it was an accident, but it's so it's so close. That the only it's, thing it's weird. The only thing I can imagine is that a Capcom graphic designer was like, "Here's twenty logos for Street Fighter Six, and they said, "Okay, we like this one," and he was like, "Oh, okay, great." And then in his head, he was like, "I just completely stole that one. I never thought they were gonna <laughs> pick that." Thing is, it's not it's not <laughs> like an indie game. It's Street Fighter. Like you yeah. wouldn't think like the principal graphic designer just went, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to make a logo. Fuck it." I think I think they had to make a ton of logos. And and they use that as like filler. Do you think it's just a bad coincidence? Like, <laughs> this is- I think yeah, they did steal it. To be esportsy, for sure, someone it. stole it, but they never expected that was going to be the actual logo. That's my. That's it, it looks like eFootball, whatever that is called. Like, yeah, that's a good that's point. Exactly like that. Yeah, that is a good point. It does have like an esports vibe. Yeah, it's aiming for that. Yeah. They'll change it. I think they'll go back to the old style. They they will now yeah. because there's controversy, right? <laughs> oh, whoops! Yeah, the it's, a, it's such a back. strange reveal. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I was excited 
to see the future of Street Fighter, and I, I still kind of am because it wasn't really a reveal. Mm-hmm. Like it was just showing like off two Death characters. Trailer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Street Fighter. <laughs> it's two characters we knew were going to be in it. Not really looking all just that different. Just going at it with Tupac. Like, you can do a <laughs> uh, Jake Paul. That's who he looks like. He looks like Jake Paul. And then people started, like, focusing on his smile. Like, there's there's scenes where it's trying to be stylistic, but because the lighting's weird, like, his smile looks like the Joker, and it's just, He's like... very wide. Mm, it's such a, such a weird... Oh, I, I can't keep... I can't I even think about it. It just I confuses know. me. And, like, man, Capcom has so much goodwill right mm. now. Like, we are in an era of Capcom can do no wrong. So, like, there's no reason not to be hopeful, but boy, that was a weird reveal. And so, they fucked yeah. up Street Fighter Five at launch so oh, bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, they yeah, fucked up irreparably, irreparably. That game took about two years to come into its own. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And it lost so many people along the way. Well, not so, only I- that, but um, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, that was a big disaster. Shit. Oh, that game was a load of piss, yeah. 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 So... Poor Frank West. Uh, okay, let me climb back up on my soapbox because I I <laughs> ranted about this last week, and we have some more details, and I got to bring it up again. This whole Horizon PS4 PS5 thing. Um, so what we now we have some preliminary sales data. You, I I don't know why this is. Can anybody tell me why we always get UK sales data first? Oh, I'm having a clue. Yeah, whenever a game comes out, the first numbers we get are always the UK. Do you think it's the way in which our retail sector provides the numbers? Like maybe it's a bit different to other, th- other places in the world. They must be required to in a way that they don't. They aren't required to in the US. Yeah, you don't. You, you rarely get MPD numbers as common. Like yeah, that's like a monthly thing. I swear. Yeah, it's monthly because people go. It's like it's like a specific day every month, isn't it? But every Sunday, every single week. That there's business outlets in the UK who get these numbers through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's we, already happened for Horizon, and it will happen with Elden Ring on Monday morning. So Horizon took number one last week. Finally overtook Pokemon. Finally overtook Pokemon. And we found out this, this only applies to physical sales in the UK, but I think it's still indicative of something. We found out that 70% of Horizon sales were PS5 copies, which... That number should be 0% because the PS4 version of Horizon gives you a free upgrade to the PS5 version and it's $10 cheaper. So there is zero reason to buy the PS5 version unless you want the top of your box to be white. That's it. Unless you want a strip of white at the top of the box. That is the only difference. And in That's fact, the PS4 version works on a PS4 and a PS5. The PS5 yeah. version only works on PS5. So not only are you losing compatibility by getting the PS5 version, you're paying $10 more. This pisses me off a lot because, <laughs> because there, was n- the, there was no effort made to ensure... First of all, there shouldn't be a PS5 version. The box should say for PS4 and PS5. Or it should be the same price. They should both be $60 or whatever. Mm. Whatever, whatever the price is wherever you live. E- those are the two options. It should either be one box that says P- for PS4 and PS5 or both boxes should have the same price. The fact that there are two boxes and one is $10 more than the other, despite the fact that they are the exact same product, is villainous. Yeah, Sony went out of their way to cover up 
the fact that right you could upgrade because I bought the PS4 digital version and I went to do it on my PS5 console, but there is no way to do it. I had to go onto my phone and buy it and then upgrade it from the dashboard. They they've they've clearly put so many layers on top of this upgrade so people will spend the extra money to buy the PS5 version. Absolutely. And obviously retail retailers it's in their best interest to sell the thing that costs the most so they're not going to tell or like, just not care at all right yeah like, they're not going to give a shit makes no difference to them yeah and and sony will probably do this when god of war ragnarok comes out because that's coming oh, out of course they will. as well yeah, they... like well ragnarok isn't going to be isn't going to have a free upgrade is it no? not? No, Horizon was the oh, last one that has the free, really? the free what? upgrade. I know. Uh, Sony I know. is so behind on this. Like smart, smart delivery. Whatever Xbox does, it has right. like a million names. I'm sure. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Flawless. Like, I can go balls, really. from my living room, play Halo. Come back to my bedroom, play Halo. Same thing. No worries. Different consoles mm. completely. Yeah. But with Sony, if you want to play, I don't know. If you want to try tony hawk's next gen version you have to pay you have to transfer your save you have to you might as well not bother it's such right. a such a hassle so 70 percent of physical copies were ps5 we can only assume that digital where you can't even see the ps4 version unless you're on a ps5 or like jade said on the playstation the website yeah like, which who does do that hmm who buys their digital Weirdos games like from the web? I did it before <laughs> this. I had to for this, but that's only because I knew it was a scam. We can only assume that, I don't know, 99% of digital sales on the PS5 are going to be the PS5 version. Like, you can't yeah. even go to the store and see the P. At least in real life, you can see the two boxes side by side. In mm -hmm. the digital world, the PS4 version isn't even in the store. You have to go to a different store. It ain't. It directs you to the PS5 version if you try and click the PS4 one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's filthy. Like, this it is, is conspiracy error. It is filthy. It's disgusting. So, and like, yeah, 10 bucks, whatever, right? The first Horizon sold 40 million copies. What? Really? So, Why? Yeah. So we're Damn. talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, when you accumulate, like $10 or £10 isn't a lot. But if like over a million people are spending that, yeah. That's a lot. This sucks. I, like the I thing hate is, this. I like to think, <laughs> like, yeah, I, really I would like, pay. Fight the pearl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would definitely pay. This, this is sad. This is stupid. I know it's bad. But I would pay the extra $10 to get the PS5 box just to have like the Why? Make, it, make it look better on my shelf but fine, fine. there are, there are definitely not more people like me like that that's like, not I'm why weird. that's yeah. not why they're doing that's it. not why people are doing it no, no. exactly and so you know what even if you're devil's advocate it... I, I covered this on the site I've seen the comments everybody's got the dumbest arguments about why this is okay we need to support the developers. support the developers billions. suck my dick Gorilla Games so sad <laughs> <sighs> There's it's no just justification for this. George, if you want the white thing on your box, <laughs> on your shelf, so that all your whole shelf is all the same, that's fine. That's But for sure, that's not why people did it. People did no, it because yeah, they didn't not. know. They, they got fact, bamboozled. Even worse, this is, a, this is a very personal beef for me. This is going to derail it. But I bought the collector's edition of it because I'm an idiot, like, times 10. And the version I got sent was the steelbook with no disc inside. No disc. Yeah. Which just ruins the point of having it, like, Empty physically, box. like... Like, yeah, I was just staring, like, yeah, it came with digitally, but digital copy yeah, and, a, and an empty box. Yeah. yeah, like, why Why would I have the steelbook that's just empty? Like, 
don't have to it, buy it the game just physically to have a disc to put <laughs> me me a few years ago would have done that really like you'll, i, I would go down in price quickly you'll, you'll be able to get it in about six months or 20 quid so here here's my new thing now every person that bought a physical ps5 version or a digital ps5 version is owed ten dollars sony Sign needs, my petition sony needs to give ten dollars <laughs> to every single person that did that why not it's just filthy. I don't like, and you can't upgrade to the digital deluxe edition if you do what I did. Yeah, mm. which I don't like. So I was going to do that. I was going to spend the money to get the skins I won't use. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that's enough about that. I'm not going to bring it up again until we find like until we find out the total sales and I can actually do the math. You know, um, when then, it hits ten million. Yeah, then off. I'll get mad about it all over again. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about this uh, Steam Deck compatibility site. This is fascinating yeah. to me. So there is a new page on uh, the store.steampowered.com. It's so funny to me, side note, that Steam doesn't have steam.com. Did you know this? Where does steam.com lead you? Where does that go? Valve has steampowered.com. It's always been steampowered. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose Steam oh is quite a, quite a gem. Steam.com is like a Steam train thing. That's really <laughs> weird. It's like, choo-choo. Oh, That's definitely malware. My, my Chromebook's fucked, I guarantee. Okay, so this new site scans your Steam library and then breaks down the compatibility for the Steam Deck. It'll tell you which games are verified. They for sure work. It'll tell mm. you which games work but might need like some settings adjustment or something. You might have to like lower whatever change i don't know something to make it work and then it tells you which games don't work now the initial messaging for the steam deck was that every game we we've tested works that's mm. this is what they were saying initially is that we are working they were a little vague i know that they left some room for interpretation right but valve was like we are working to ensure that the entire steam library will work on the steam deck so far, now I'm just talking about my library, which has, pause for count, which has... 700. George, you want to guess? Uh, 639. 509. Wow. No, I was closer than Jason. Yeah. I, I win. shot it. Okay, <laughs> so I'm looking at just my library, but I am really surprised at, um, at what games aren't compatible. Um, what's not compatible now i wish it would give a number it just shows like a list of games like box art i wish it would tell me how many like uh i guess i could count really quick pause for count one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve times five shit 60 60 60 of my 500 games are fully compatible that's it. Yeah, that's not a lot. Jesus, I know I you can say weren't. I was like, well, that's not too bad. Oh, that's. I that's know. Weird. Do you have a lot of VR games? I know you play VR quite a lot. Uh, so all the VR games are not compatible, but I only have five or six on Steam. What is it working then? So then, so then the list of mostly compatible games, but uh, may require. It says might require extra effort to interact with or configure. Um. That is another, like, mm, 70. And on that list is Among Us. Among Us. 
Amogus, yeah. Uh, the Witcher Three, not fully compatible with the Steam Deck. Uh, well, I remember reading up about this. I know yeah. that the the two tiers is like one is like verified, like that. That's them saying like this this works out of the box, and then the second one is like maybe something like uh, tech size is a bit small. Oh, and I can okay. see right now. I can see right now, like the Witcher. You're gonna be zooming in. You That's know? fine. Okay, so, so it's like oh, yeah. small things. But so then the third one is like. I, I get it. So we don't really know, like, like Titanfall 2 is on here. We don't really know what, why it's not fully compatible. Okay, so the third list, which is the rest of my shit. Now, this isn't adding up to 500, so I don't understand. I guess the rest are just untested. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's it. I have 366 of my 509 games are untested still. This thing comes out in two days. You know? <laughs> they got a lot of Like, I get it. Yeah. I, I get that. <laughs> That's that uh, Steam is massive. I get that they add a hundred games every day, but I'm not I'm not the kind of person that digs for shit nobody's heard of. Like I have mm. some niche shit, but I also have like I have a pretty vast mainstream library here. Um, here is my list of unsupported games. I'm not going to include any VR stuff because obviously, okay, Fall Guys, not supported on the Steam Deck. Wait, so this is. So this final category is not untested. This is you just can't. This play is it. like it, it unsupported. It. Yeah, this is tested That's and does wild. not work. Fuck yeah, me. Uh, let me list a few off: Lost Ark, Outriders, Hunt Showdown, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines, Just Cause Two. Like what? these aren't these are all games. Like these aren't just random Some shit. These are quite old as well. Uh, just Cause Two, oh. Dark Siders, Duck what? Game. You guys know Duck Game? Yeah, I do. Which one's Duck Game? Duck Game is like an eight-bit, like one v one. It's like Towerfall, but with ducks. Yeah, it's like Towerfall, but yeah, with ducks. Uh, Vermintide Two, and is there anything else? Uh, New World, Lara Croft, Temple of Osiris, and it looks like the rest is VR. So, like, it's not a big list. I know that, but like. Fall Guys doesn't work. Like, what's going on? How does it's this weird work? That these games don't work. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to instantly like try and defend it by saying maybe it's to do with online, but that that doesn't make sense at all. Like, that's just Hellblade. that argument doesn't even make sense as I said it. Hellblade does not work on the Steam Deck. Um, I don't know. I, I will. I will live without all of these games. I'll. I will say I was kind of looking forward to playing Lost Ark on the steam deck in bed because that you know it's a super grindy game i thought that would have been cool so that's a bit of a bummer it doesn't mean these games never will work but they won't at launch but these come like yeah it's kind of weird it's kind of weird um so it's two machine you just like damn i think the most important thing to remember is that psychonauts 2 does work on the steam deck so you know, yeah, true. There's your, there's your 500 pound right there. Just play uh, that five times. 500 quid. The oh first Psychonauts is in my list of um, playable, but might yes. require extra effort. Wait, what? No, that's yeah. like a million years old. I know. Sonic Adventure 2 is on there too. I can't think of why that would be. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's screen size. I don't know. I'm, I'm already know. bad at computers. This, this isn't going to change. Here's much. a really weird thing Darksiders is in unsupported completely. But Darksiders Warmastered Edition is in the semi-supported. Oh, the remaster. Yeah, the remaster. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll put a link in the description, but it's um, 
It's store.steampower.com slash Steam Deck slash my games. And you can see your own library and what works with the uh, with the Steam Deck and what doesn't. Guess guys, guess how many uh, Steam games I have? One? Uh, twelve. Do you have one game? I have zero games. Zero. He's never used Steam and he has nope. a Chromebook. Yep. I think I'm in like the four hundred range. Fake gamer. <laughs> now start. Okay, the last thing to touch on before we get to uh, Horizon is this little tidbit that came out about the um, Activision acquisition. Uh, a new detail about the timeline, essentially, that negotiations between Microsoft and Activision started three days after the lawsuit, the California lawsuit was filed against um, Activision Blizzard for its employee mistreatment so now looking back when we saw like phil spencer's like we're considering uh our relationship with activision blizzard remember that tweet that was like yeah yeah i remember that so by considering he meant we're considering buying them mm. i just it's none of it's surprising obviously and none of us can pretend to know how billion dollar business deals work Especially like, what the biggest, the for sure the biggest game deal of all time. But we're talking like Disney buying Fox. Like, yeah, in, this is bigger than Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, way bigger. And and behind the scenes, what we're seeing is like Activision is in a bunch of trouble because for all the reasons that we know now, and mm. instantly. Instantly, I if they were in negotiations three days later, that means the second it happened, Phil Spencer and Microsoft were like, "We need to go buy them, right?" Like Th that, they're yeah. gonna be cheap. Let's go, boys. <laughs> yeah, this is a, the time to strike. See, there's there's two ways of thinking about it, I guess. Because in my head, when I heard this, I thought they must have known that there was no other option for Activision, like, they were fucked, really, without being bought. There was mm -hmm. no, in my eyes anyway, there was no way they were ever going to recover from the PR, PR blow that this whole situation has been for them. So I guess Microsoft went, as soon as they heard all that stuff, three days later, they were like, right, you've got no choice, this is it. They'll rebrand the entire company. I yeah, think. or you can see it slimy, and they're like, uh, we're going to buy you anyway, don't worry about it. Well, and there's no way that the lawsuit was a surprise to activision blizzard i mean they they would have been uh investigated long before yeah the lawsuit started right so if activision knew this was happening everyone knew this was happening right yeah. i like i i was joking sort of when i was like you know the second they heard about the lawsuit they their mouth started watering but they knew Everybody knew this was coming. The The general public did not, of course, but everyone in the biz knew this was coming. So mm. I think it's it's safe to assume that um, a, a lot of things were in motion long, not just before we knew that they were happening, but like a long time before we knew they were happening, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't turn brands, don't idolize brands. That's all. That's the whole point of this. But we it, love IP. Business is business. There's no difference. My horizon. <laughs> There's no difference between Activision Blizzard and Microsoft and Exxon Mobil, right? Like 
It's because Phil Spencer seems like he gives great hugs, doesn't mean he's your friend. <laughs> Anybody that's generating billions of dollars is exploiting the shit out of people and probably destroying the planet, no matter how good their video games are. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, boy. Can, can we start news with that every time? Unless <laughs> you just slack him. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. Anybody have a happy one to end on? I kind of ran out. I kind of ran out of... Neil Automata's getting an ending. Not an ending. An anime. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Tell me about it. Near Automata anime, is it just going to be the story of the game? Uh, we don't know yet. I think the prediction is, judging by how these anime projects tend to go, it's probably going to be a retelling of the game's story mm. with a little bit of expansion, I guess mm. you could call it. How many times do you have to watch the show over and over? Uh, Twelve. Isn't Nier Automata like a kind of weird choice to turn into an anime because a lot of it relies so heavily on player interaction and how many times you're willing to replay and stuff like that? Yeah, it's going to be unusual. Aniplex is helming it, which they have a relatively good track record. So, oh. Neat. Neat. Uh, George? Anything uh, else you want to touch on? What's happened this week? <laughs> you know, not much good. Yeah. Nothing nothing, nothing major. We haven't had a lot of news, but we've all been really busy with games this week, including our next topic, Horizon Forbidden West. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back for our deep dive into Horizon Forbidden West. Back for Horizon Forbidden West with Jay King. Hello. And Stacey Henley. Hello. Stacey, you reviewed Horizon Forbidden West on the PlayStation 5. I did. And you liked it, didn't love it. Uh, that's pretty accurate, yeah. And I really loved Zero Dawn. I was one of Zero Dawn's biggest um, biggest defenders. It seemed to get a bit of a reevaluation as kind of other later games on the PS4 came out. Mm. So I was really expecting to love it, and it just—it's still a good game. I would write anyone who liked the first game. I would still recommend it. I still think it's a good game. If you're only going to play kind of seven or eight games this year, as a lot of people do, I think this is one to go for because there's so much to it. But it didn't wow me in a way that I really hoped a sequel to probably my favorite open world game on the PS4 was Zero Dawn. It didn't wow me in a way a sequel to that should have given how much open world games have changed since 2017 yeah that uh that's similar to the sense i've gotten too i've played um almost 20 hours so far jade how far in would you say you are i'm about five hours so i'm still very early but even like supporting stacy's point it is more horizon i think if you enjoyed zero dawn a lot you will love this game but it's it's a case of it is more of that instead of like iterating upon it in a meaningful way. Are you even into the open world section yet? I remember the beginning being very long. So I'm not mm. sure. Like I'm in an open world section, but I don't know yeah. if it's the true open world as is. So it starts with a very linear story mission that goes on for like, hours. Yes, and then it, it puts you in. <laughs> It puts you into a really small open world section. 
So I think that's where I am. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which is also kind of an antiquated thing too, right? Like Witcher 3 does this. Like um, It's the yeah. White Orchard, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And you don't get to go back to it, which I thought was really weird. I, I have something like 50 hours into it, and Sam, who reviewed it, who um, guided it for us, he, like 98% completion, over 100 hours in the game, and you just don't go back. You never, ever go back to that area at all. Yeah. Um, there's nothing to do there. It's not even like hidden collectibles. It's not like later on in the game you get extra traversal tools that help you go through walls or scale certain bits you couldn't do before. You start in that weird open world area, that's a mini open world, and you just you never get to go back to it. It's not even like it introduces you to some really interesting concepts and teases you with them. It It is just... Well, Jade's five hours and hasn't got this, so five or six hours or so of not the game. Yeah, because that opening area seems relatively large. Like even looking at the the areas of the map, I'm yet to explore. Like there's a lot of stuff in there. To so the fact that this is essentially a prologue before you get to the area that is in the title of the game, like Forbidden yeah. West, still feels like I'm in a in a weird in between where the game hasn't really started yet. Have you been attacked by Angela Bassett yet? No. <laughs> I don't you think haven't so. started the game yet. You know, that's the start yet. of the game when she yeah. arrives. You know, it's really interesting because I, I feel like that detail is sort of representative of the game's whole identity of sort of moving forward while standing still. Mm. And by that, I mean, it's like we've left behind the entire first game. Like we're in a new place. We've mm. left all those people behind. We're all we're always moving on to the next thing. Like in this game, the campaign works you from east to west, and there's a lot of new things, but it's all still sort of the same shit. And the the story uh like launches off of the first game, but it still has all the problems that the story had from the first game. Yeah. It feels like there's this like illusion of like moving forward but it's it's set, it's so stuck in not just like the first game but like in all the ideas that it just, just sort of repeats it's so disappointing to me that the first game was really big and it set up these really interesting concepts yes i, I love the first game i didn't love all the characters because i think a lot of them are forgettable but i liked the world that was being created and i really wanted to go and explore those characters again there there are so many series where Look at Mass Effect. Garrus is most people's favorite character in the Mass Effect series, but in the first game, he's pretty flat in one note. Mm. Tally's the same. Tally's very naive and doesn't really have that much going for her. But because those characters come back in Mass Effect 2 when the writing is so much yeah. more confident and more expansive and there's more room, they become such fantastic characters. And in Forbidden West, I, I, wanted, I wanted it to explore the gaps that were left in Zero Dawn from it being such a big story and instead it told an even bigger story which just leaves more gaps and I don't want to say too much about the ending because neither of you are there and a lot of people listening won't have got there but I feel like the ending is setting up Horizon 3 whatever it may be mm -hmm. called to be even bigger I still I think it's going to go bigger again um, and there's going to be a lot of questions that just aren't going to be answered and the world is not compelling enough for it to be open to my interpretation. Like, I want to go and explore those stories on a really small level. I don't want to save the world. Yeah, I me too. I just kind of want to get to know the people that I'm with. 
I think one of the biggest narrative shortcomings with with the introduction, especially, is it it pretty much it's a narration from Aloy going, "I need to save the world." Like you have no idea how serious this shit is, and then it rolls you through that and into a new open world, and there isn't really much time to appreciate like who she is a character just yet. And almost like, as you said, like it would have been nice to explore the characters we already knew, but you kind of just get a weird victory lap in the opening when you're still in Meridian, where it's like, oh, talk to these people you knew from the last game, but you're never going to see them again. Let's let's move on. And it, it feels, I don't think going bigger is the right thing for this franchise to do. Yeah, it's it's so weirdly disappointing i i hate critiquing stories because they're not what i would have wanted them or how i would have written them like i think a lot of people are like that's not what i wanted it to be but the thing with horizon is that the all the flaws in the first game story are kind of like repeated here yeah that's how i feel Mm -hmm. already the the problem with the first game is that it has such a giant convoluted story it wants to tell but it's all on it's all background. So like you're unfolding the mysteries of this world and it feels like all of the things that are happening in the present don't really matter that much. Like all of the characters, all of the politics between the tribes, that stuff is really is really um just there to serve this like big mystery that you're unraveling about what happened to the world. Hmm. And you finally get that that those secrets are revealed you finally understand what happened and i wanted the second game to be like okay we all know the score this is what's going on and have more space for other characters and for like the present story but it but we just go we just do the same thing again right i mean i haven't finished it but it feels like we're just doing the same like there's this big secret about earth's history that you don't know and we're going to slowly unravel it like just like the first game but the secret in the first game once you got to the bottom of it felt relatively like trivial in its execution like this isn't a game that has too much to say about its depiction of the apocalypse but also like is there a way to make a game about robotic dinosaurs and like weird red weed taking over the world compelling in the way that perhaps people want Horizon to be. I don't know. I think I obviously I've finished it. I don't want to say too much about the, the ending. I'm very mindful not to spoil anything, but what I think this game story comes down to is actually very simple. Once you get through the whole thing, the, this mm. game's big question or forbidden West, I mean, is the, the difference between nature and nurture. That's a really big theme on one of the, the big reveals that comes, which I think will be too late for you, Eric, and certainly you won't have seen yet, Jade. Mm. But that's a really compelling question that they could explore, and they could explore it in a world like this, in a world where nature has become a machine. That's perfect for the idea of nature versus nurture and examining what makes us human and what makes us um, who we are. But the problem is the, the hub center that you get to once you finish the prologue that kind of becomes, here's where the story happens. And then the entire rest of the world, which is probably 95% of the map, is here's where the game happens. And it's very rare that those two concepts meet. You know, Eric, you mentioned the idea of, you know, critiquing a story because it's not what you expected to happen or not what you want it to happen. Mm -hmm. I think something like 
The Last of Us, which I feel comfortable spoiling now. It's easy to say I didn't want Joel to die. Yeah. Right. Or even the last, the first Last of Us, I didn't want Joel to save Ellie. I don't think that's bad storytelling though, because they're just plot points that I don't agree with the characters or I wish hadn't happened. The reason that I don't like Horizon storytelling is I think, especially in Forbidden West, it has the tools to tell a really interesting story. And it just kind of abandons them because they want to get bigger and bigger and bigger stakes. There's another twist later on after the thing that I'm talking about, which is clearly supposed to be shocking. In the review on Bogger, we were told under no circumstances talk about this. And if that Bogger didn't exist, I wouldn't have mentioned it because I found it incredibly dull. <laughs> it's clearly oh, this really it. big climactic moment that we're supposed to go, oh my God, what the and it, hell? And it's just like, And oh. I just kind of went, that's a really weird video game thing. When's this mission going to be over? Mm. I just, I think there's a really interesting bit at the heart of Horizon that for some reason the game itself leans away from. It's told in really small cutscenes in the hub and it pushes you out the door, sometimes literally, to say, go and play the actual video game. Don't worry about us. When you get back, we'll do some more story shit. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, though, that I, I feel more engaged with the stories in the side quests in Forbidden West than I did with the first game. Um, there there has been some memorable ones. I really like the one where the, the guy needs to um, get the parts to trade for the water for his group and then you go to the mm. well and you find out the well's dry. I thought the whole the way that whole thing played out was really interesting. Um, they were a lot more layered this time around. They, they link to Shadeko. That's a really good example of how it has built on Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn, I thought, had decent side missions. They just felt a bit disconnected. And this mm-hmm. time I think they feel more connected to the, the, to the various tribes, mm-hmm. to the whole idea of, you know, the not just the world is ending, but very specifically there's this corruption that's loitering and um, tribes are struggling to get by and there's this fallout. I think the side stories are much more layered and connected to each other in that some of them built yet do part one, then you unlock part two, then part three. But also the characters felt like they communicated with each other and talked. They weren't just like NPC number 74 dropped in here to say, go and find my lost spear that I lost in um, this my favorite thing about horizon has always been the way that it depicts the way people mythologize things they don't understand about the world Mm. and i think that so far i've seen a lot in in forbidden west um taking that idea a lot further um one example of that is uh, it's like a critical path thing, but when you meet the tribe that worships the the land gods, I can't is that what they call them? The, and, the old ones. Yeah, and they're they're actual like pa- passive machines that till the land and make the soil fertile, and they have rituals around them, and they their whole society is built around these machines that ha- are not doing what they think they're doing, right? But they yeah. have to create their own myths to understand the world. And I think that's like pretty compelling, especially when in the context of, you know, Aloy who does understand why all these machines are doing what they do, but can't like communicate with people on that level. And you, and I think in forbidden West, especially now that she knows the whole backstory, you see that struggle in her of like, 
she has yeah. sh- objectives. She's trying to get shit done, and all these people and their kooky religious shit gets in the way. And she's a realist n- in that way. Yeah, there's no way that she can ever explain <laughs> to them in a way that they'll understand. So you see her like try to come up with ways to to marry what she knows with what they believe. Uh, and I think all of that stuff is done really well. There's a moment in the beginning, I think, when the sun goddess shows up in the ruins. And I can't remember his name, the character who's there with Aloy. He's like, oh, it's the goddess. And Aloy makes a comment where, like, she ain't shit. Like, she ain't no goddess. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm. Like, you can tell she's trying to be sensitive to these people because, like, she's dealing with ideas and concepts that are likely beyond what they're capable of comprehending. But she's also trying to protect them, like, in a, in a way that's kind of an interesting character trait. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's more layered in this version as well, because in the really um, amusing thing in Zero Dawn was they speak English, right? They, they know they've made up some things. They don't know everything, but they understand technology. They, they use in common English words for most things. And then one of the collectibles was like a teacup. And the people were like, oh, how fascinating. I wonder what this was used for. Like, it's mm-hmm. a teacup. Like, you have Bluetooth. It is a teacup. You, <laughs> you drink know out of things. You know you? what these you are. You have clothes. You have boats that you call boats. Yeah. Like, even like the tall necks. It's not a giraffe, but you, you have a word for tall. You have a word for neck. You understand this thing has a tall neck. <laughs> but you don't know what a cup is. What's Does the Horizon on? World have Wi-Fi? Like, do you think they could like jerry-rig that up? They, they Yeah, they, have, they can communicate like through the internet but they don't call it internet and it's not wi-fi and they never like stopping to put in passwords and they're like oh, i've only got three bars hang on let's get a signal <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. kind of that's it's, the utopian side of it it's perfect wi-fi even underwater at the top of a tower no matter where you go whether you're on the beaches of california or the mountains of utah you always have perfect 4g it's so funny too like Obviously, there's a lot of places that only Aloy can access. Mm-hmm. But then you go into ruins all the time. Like that, for instance, the the well mission I was talking about, you eventually take the, you, the leader of the tribe to the water pump. And all you needed to do was like climb over a wall and go into a cave and there's the water pump. And she's like, what is this? What sorcery? It's like, come on, all these thousands of years, nobody just went in this cave and found this. That, that's it, the cauldrons in the first game. It's like these these mystery ruins. It's like we're about 500 fucking yards from the nearest town. And this is just behind a tree. Like, did no one define this? <laughs> and you find like boxes from the old ones and they'd have watches and like clearly things from like our timing. But then it'll be like, yes, here is a weave for your hunter armor. It's like, was that left by the old ones? <laughs> was that left in 2017 or whenever the game said like 2074, whatever? Like, it's just weird. Like, the it's like in Uncharted and all those games when you go into like forgotten ruins and it's like, here's some shotgun shells. And all the lights yeah. are on. Like, that, that that always gets a bit uncharted. Who lit all these torches? Like, don't matter. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to comment about what Jade said a few minutes ago about like Aloy not having time for people's shit. And <laughs> I think it's pretty cool in this game that she has so much clout from saving the I forgot the name of the city. Meridian. The first one. Yeah, Meridian. Meridian. How, you know, now when she travels around, she's not just the outlander. <laughs> to most people, they know her reputation. 
and it's changed the way that she interacts with people, right? Because she she really doesn't have time for people's bullshit in this game. She just like walks into cities, announces her intentions, and if people like stand in her way, she just goes, "Well, I'm going to do it anyway," and then walks away all the time through this whole game. She has so much more attitude now. There's that weird bit where, like, oh, uh, what they're called, the people behind the wall, the bunker or something, they won't work with us. Oh, I, I have a way to make them work with us diplomatically. I'm going to blow up their home. And it works! <laughs> like, Terrorism. <laughs> I don't know if you've got that bit yet, but like, she finds an old military. There's like These people live behind a big wall, and they're yeah. guarded by it. Kind of like in Game of Thrones, like, oh, we, we're fine, we're safe behind the wall. Um, but she needs them to work with her people. Um... So she scans and she finds like an old military tank buried in the walls. So she just kills one of the big machines and shoots at the tank until it explodes and the wall falls down. And she goes, well, now you've got to work with me because your home's destroyed. <laughs> I'm just going to go, ah, fair point. Yeah, I will. All right, good one. Didn't argue with that. Fair play. Is there... <laughs> Don't kill my family. <laughs> is there any level of like internal reckoning that happens? Like, is there an emotional arc for Aloy here. Does she have to confront anything or is it just, I have to save the world? I, I think mostly it's, I have to save the world, but that nature and nature thing I was talking about before, it gets so close yeah. to not necessarily giving Aloy an emotional arc where she has to face or overcome something, but being introspective about who Aloy is and why she is the way that she is. As someone who's raised as an outcast, as someone who's never really known our own people, the kind of harsh yet kind of loving way that Rost raised her and how that impacted her. There is something of an introspection of why Aloy is different from other people. And it's not just because she's Sobek's clone. It's mm -hmm. specifically because of this is a world where typically everyone is in a tribe. Everyone identifies themselves as a tribe when you meet people. They are Tanakh native or whatever. Right. Nalo doesn't really have that. Like, she's a Nora, but not really. She didn't right. know the Nora until she was 17 or however old it was. So there's a little bit of that. It never, ever comes close to, um, you know, The Last of Us. Or I'm not even a big right. fan of God of War, but we got the way God of War tries to have an emotional gut punch. Or, or even the, the betrayal arc in Ghost of Tsushima, it's... It follows yeah. the typical Sony beats of trying to have an emotional thing, but it's really more like um, Deacon and his wife in Days Gone. That's the level of emotional impact it has. Oh, hell yeah. It's disappointing to hear because, I mean, I, I got to the first twist, and this this is really early on. Sorry, Jay, this will be a very nah, little fine. spoiler. I got to the first little twist where you find out that Aloy's not the only clone of Elizabeth, right? Hmm. Oh, that's and interesting. when that happened, I'm like, okay, we have to deal with identity here. Like, yeah, that's that is the direction that we're going in is we're finally going to address Aloy's identity. And to hear that it doesn't really go that far with it is that's kind of disappointing. It's not not even that it doesn't go that far with it. It's that it does nothing with it and then jumps to the end. There doesn't feel oh, like wow. there's an arc. It's you find that out, and you then it kind of comes well, to the resolution of where that story would go. And yeah. partially because you have to interrupt the story to go off and, like, do some races or, like, find an old drone. 
Um, and partly because the story just tells you to do like seven more tasks before you get to do the next bit of the clone story. Um, it just feels too broken up to mana. Yeah. Whereas something like The Last of Us, and I don't like Last of Us, I bring this up a lot, people are going to think I'm a shill, but I don't <laughs> like it. But like no, The Last of Us shill. never like, relents. Like it constantly reminds you of why you're there. You, mm-hmm. you get, you know, Ellie on the first day is very kind of jovial and chatty. And then as she goes on, she gets more and more miserable, more people die. The game gets literally and thematically darker. It's all linked to this very clear arc. And then you bias Abby and you go through the exact same thing. Horizon doesn't have anything like that. It's just, if you imagine, if we use The Last of Us as a comparison, it's Seattle, 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 the farm. Mm -hmm. None of the bits in the middle. None of the arcade, none of the river, none of Abby, none of, like, the pregnant woman who gets stabbed. Sorry, spoilers. Like, (laughs) none of that happens. It's just they ride horseback, find an old bank, find a Nathan Drake costume. Yeah. They're on the farm, Ellie's got her fingers cut off. Like, it's a really big jump to the end of the emotional arc that could have been told. And it seems to me that we have to go back to The Last of Us because we just don't have enough good examples. (laughs) And I think, one, we don't have that many good examples of storytelling games, but also I think Sony has really engineered this idea. There's only really Spider-Man that I can think of that doesn't follow the Sony pattern, and even then... It's pretty easy to pick out the big emotional beats of Spider-Man that are there to make you cry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, I just think the way Sony designs its first-person blockbusters is built around, you know, their third-person action over the shoulder, sometimes open world, sometimes more linear, very violent games where you're mostly violent, mostly stoic, mostly uninvolved character suddenly has an emotional realisation. Mm-hmm. This is one of the poorer ones, mainly because Aloy is not as well drawn a character as those, and because Horizon just doesn't suit that formula. It should right. have much smaller, much wider storytelling, which would be perfect for it. Um, you mentioned some of the more trivial side content, like the races, mm. and um, but generally, I find the the optional quests and stuff pretty engaging um and i i really don't like open world games um because of the sort of ubisoft formula of just going from check mark to check mark mm. endlessly i i don't like the busy work uh but i feel like i i, I uh, most of the stuff i've done in horizon has felt either purposeful for progression or with enough narrative weight to to pull me through you know, something kind of banal. Yeah, aside from the pit fighting, which I did, I can't get on board with it. I just, I'm not, I, I can't. Aside from that, I've enjoyed all of the side content in, in Horizon. I don't really have any complaints that it's there. I just don't think it meshes too well with the very linear story. I, I think, right. I keep going back to Sony examples, but the, the main story, take it all the other bits, all the side content, all the open world, the story Horizon tells really suits the God of War go from one cinematic exchange to the next and you stay with Aloy constantly. Mm-hmm. The main story at the core of it suits that. But the most fun bits of the game, the bits that make it Horizon, the things we associate with Horizon, the climbing up walls and um, the machines and the the element of discovery, you know, I, you can play, if you play this game you know, just doing, even just doing the side quests and the um, main quests, 
you'll only have like 60% of the map unlocked by the end, like defogged. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much of Horizon where you're supposed to go off and explore. It just doesn't suit this story. It's interesting. I saw it. I, I hate saying I saw a tweet by this guy, but mm-hmm. I saw a tweet by Gene Park from the Washington Post. And he was right that the first Horizon, Zero Dawn, did quite a good job. But then immediately afterwards, Breath of the Wild came out and went, open world games are now completely different. We're changing. That's, that's how it fell off the first Horizon. Like, And like... now Horizon 2's come out, and Elden Ring's going to completely change how open world games work. Mm. I just Horizon's very good at doing open world things right before what a good open world game is. This could be a great open world game two years ago. Sorry, it's too yeah. late. Well, though Spider-Man uh, was that. That felt very 2012 in 2017. Spider-Man felt very dated yeah. when it came out, yeah. Um, we haven't even talked about fighting the machines much. You, no. you just mentioned it, and I was like, okay, so we should talk about like what actually is the core of this game, <laughs> which is fi- fighting robots. Yeah. Um, I'll start with my opinion. Uh, it It feels a lot more rewarding now. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's much easier to identify the weaknesses and see the information you need to know because the scan, the UI for the scan is so much better. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, I feel like I, my, I'm smarter in my fights and I feel way more rewarded for, you know, targeting the blaze canister with the fire arrows because that takes them out in one shot versus yeah. firing blanks at them for, 10 minutes i've and that's a really simplified example obviously that's how it worked in the first game too but generally there there are more machines there are more variety of we- of weapons and there are better ways to be smarter about how you fight them and i think the ways that they've improved the combat like really carry the game i i love the combat i, I didn't ride the um the mounts once Mm. Every single game. I, now that I got to the end, I can go around the map a bit faster and try and sweep things up a bit more. But through the main campaign, I didn't get any of the machines once because I wanted to walk everywhere so I could have all the extra fights. And not because I needed to level up, not because I thought the main missions were too hard. Just because I loved the fights. Eric's right. The The range of weapons is probably slightly bigger than me for me than the improved UI. Mm. Just because I think if you put this system into Zero Dawn, you're still going to be relying on a kind of a couple of weapons, whereas now the new spear thing is excellent. The new like railgun thing is fantastic. Um, there's so much more to it, and the elemental things just do a bit more. I was disappointed by how rare some of the things are. I would say I didn't um, get a sticky bomb until I did the machine challenge arena mm. thing. I didn't actually get one naturally. It was only in those challenges where it's like you have to use a limited arsenal. Um, and, you know I. This is 45 hours in the game, and four of my six weapons are legendary, and the other two are herbal, whatever the second one is. Mm-hmm. And not once in a fairly natural but all-encompassing playthrough did I find a sticky weapon. And that was in the very first trailer we saw. I feel like they should have made a bit more common. <laughs> like, the but the actual fighting is brilliant. That is still a problem. That was a, a big problem I had with the first one is that I would um... – I would farm and save up and buy something and then head to the next town and there'd be a better one. Yeah. Mm. The destiny problem. That kept happening to me in the first one. This one, at least, you go from town to town and everybody has different stuff, but it makes it real hard to remember 
where like, oh, I kind of want to buy that one that had ice and sticky, but now I have no idea where that was. What I will say is the, the currency is a lot better this time. Yeah. Like in the in Zero Dawn, I would frequently just run out of money, just like the shards. Whereas even buying most of the stuff that I saw, I never ran out of metal shards to buy things. It was just the, oh, you need another Glintalk eye. Um, but because I like the fighting so much, I didn't really mind. Because you only ever really need one, like one or two, until you get like the legendary weapons or the upgrades. Uh-huh. I don't think you need as many weapons, as many um, parts. Um. It's more the the pouch upgrades where you have to like find a um a blue the pouch jay. upgrades are brutal. I don't I don't want to find a blue jay. I want to fight a big yeah. massive metal hippo. I don't want to fight <laughs> a blue jay. Yeah, I feel like the grind is definitely longer in this one, um, especially like with the cauldrons. How you have to you don't just get mm. all the unlocks. Like when you when you clear out a cauldron jade you now have like a menu for all the monsters that you could what's the word like you could hack them yeah you can make over override o- override so instead of just getting more overrides you have to go farm parts from that monster and turn them in and that unlocks the override just for that oh machine. that sounds like busy work i will say most of the time i did have them already um mm. Like, especially with the earlier cauldrons, it's like, have you killed, what's the really basic one called, the, the long leg or the burrower or something? It's like, yeah, the burrower, yeah, the, the new raptor. Do you have four burrower eyes? Like, yes, I have 17. Please get rid of them for me. Yeah. Like, um, my, I want to go back to weapons for a second. Jade, have you seen yeah. the Beyblades? No. <laughs> All right. This, this is my favorite new one. So you have this, like, you know, highlight? You know that mm. game that okay you, that like long, uh, you hold this like it's not a racket, but you put a ball in it and then you fling them. Yeah. Okay. So it's that, but you fling this spinning Beyblade at. Oh, dudes. let it rip. Okay. You rip them into them, and they hit them, and they spin. They like shred their armor, man. And then they okay. fly back. And if you catch it, it starts spinning faster. And when you throw it again, it does more damage. And you can keep catching it, and it ramps up. It's pretty sick. Yeah, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually really cool. I kept missing it, but you can, you can keep catching it. Yeah. I was terrible at that. That, that, that is a good weapon. Um, other than that and the spears, it's mostly the same stuff. You got like the slingshot. There's like the rattler's back, but it's called something else. In the original, there was, when you started out, there was a whistle, which kind of broke the stealth system because you could just whistle bring someone to you, murder mm. them, and just do it ad nauseum. But that's not... I don't have it yet. Is that an unlockable skill? Or do you think they've like improved the general balance between stealth and combat? I don't think... I, um, I can't remember how... I know what the thing you mean. I don't think you have the Luar anymore. Um, I haven't maxed out all of the skill trees, and I, <laughs> I favoured action over stealth in most things, so I wouldn't have gone for stealth perks but i don't think that's back but i do think time that i've wanted to be stealthy when there's only been a couple of machines and i've been on story missions when you know i was doing it in the review period so times when i was like yeah i just need to get i need to get this done like before i go to bed um i would just go for the quick option of of trying to be as stealthy and as quiet as possible i think for machines it's a lot better they there's just too many humans in the game i not once did i enjoy fighting the humans 
Maybe oh, once I was really overpowered, I could go okay. back and just like bomb the shit out of them. Just feel like America. And <laughs> just picking on the little guys with bombs. Full of George Bush on those bastards. Like, straight <laughs> up. Mission accomplished. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think of all the active abilities? What do you mean? Well, you've got now all every weapon type has multiple uh, oh, active the, abilities, and mm-hmm. you have like a super too. I think I found ones that worked for me and used them in very limited ways. So there was one that gave you fifty percent more, like do a critical hit. I like that one. That was just pretty much the one I used. Mm-hmm. Um, the three knock isn't bad. We have like the three arrows at once. Could mm-hmm. be okay, but. Mostly, like a lot of the menus in Horizons, I there was too many I didn't care. I was filling them up in the end because I was like going for okay. Well, I filled up this skill tree now. I need to fill up this skill tree. I didn't really care what the skill trees were. It was just like okay, I'm seven yeah. off filling the trapper tree. Let's get some trapper points going. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I was particularly using the traps or because the the trap skills were that effective. Um, I played the game on normal difficulty. I always try and play. I don't want to get into review discourse, but I always try and play reviews on the difficulty the game sets as default. I think that's the mm. most curate experience you can ask for. Yeah. I never found it so much of a struggle where I was like, ooh, I really need this power right now. Like, I died. I didn't get through the game without dying. Like, the, the big snakes took me out right at the start, and I didn't really understand the new combat stuff, and I had limited tools, and some of the, the later, more challenging machines, especially when there's like two or three of them swarm over, I died, but I didn't feel like the combat perks helped me, but I am not the type to use them too tactically anyway. Like, I've mm-hmm. I've played Pokemon for 25 years, and I don't think I've ever used, like, a status move that doesn't <laughs> I I've just never, no, I just never can't. gone with... Why would I want just power? I just use Thunder Punch. Like, let's get this over. I have found a couple that I use because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, there's a slingshot one where you can shoot the bomb at the ground and it'll skip along the ground and do more damage than it would have if you had just landed a shot on them. Um, That's cool. So I'll, I'll use stuff like that because it's fun. But as far as like the tactical approach, it's it's too many layers. Mm-hmm. You already yeah, have a weapon wheel with, I they they went from four to eight, right? You can have eight weapons equipped at oh, any wow. time, or is it? Yeah, six? I think I think, it's, I think six six is the default, but there are some where they have four different arrows to them. Right, so you can have one bow that can is actually three different bows in one because it fires three different types of um, weapon. Right, so I'm already trying to work with. 12 weapons, right? Because of all mm. the ammo types. And then on top of that, each weapon has multiple abilities. Like with the with the regular hunter bow, I already have the knock three and the uh the rain where the, the arrows come down from the sky. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's just like and then you have your like super ability on top of that, which is just like a either a damage buff or an overshield or something like that you can activate. It's just like it's kind of too many layers. I think if it had been more cinematic and more selective, people would use them a lot more because the fighting is fun. Like it would benefit from those kinds of things, but 
no one's going to remember. And people, they change your weapons so much in Horizon as well because mm-hmm. you constantly get upgrades. And because there's six slots, there's way more than six weapons. I think there's four different types of bows. Like, right. Even before you get onto like the, the slingshot and the tripwire and the, the, the different type of tripwire and the railgun and the Beyblade and the, the spear. Just bow, just bow and arrow. I think there's at least three. There might be four. Right. So I think people change them too much to I, use I, them. I I like that the the large variety encourages uh, play styles more rather than like some hmm. kind of a meta where it's like these are the best types. It, it it does feel like you can pick the ones that you like to use, but at the same time there is a coverage issue, right? Because things have weaknesses, and you need to have on hand fire, acid, water, ice. Like you need to have some answer. Or else these fights, the the difference between knowing a monster's weakness and having the right thing for it and just shooting arrows at it until it dies, that could be 15 minutes. Like yeah. you have you have to have a wide coverage. So it it is weird. It's like it's open to using lots of different stuff, but it's also limited in that you have to be able to answer very specific things. Yeah, and I, I, you can't just go and farm things. Even though there's lots of farming involved, you can't just go and, like, oh, I'm going to hunt some um, bellowbacks because the machines kind of gather together in groups, so you need to be prepared for machines you aren't preparing for. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, you could be in one fight, and then suddenly a Frost Glintor comes down, and you need to have the arsenal for the Frost Glintor, but you're actually out here looking for, like... I don't know, fire bellowback parts. I mean, mm-hmm. those two things wouldn't be together, but you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different... Um, yeah, I've been in fights with four different machines at the same time. Yeah, and that's not uncommon. That's not like you've run away from one and found them. Like, that that just happens They're just once together, you get into yeah. the busier areas of the game. Um. Oh, uh, you wrote about the appropriation. Yes. I want to talk about this, too. Um... Because I see a lot of arguments against it that I think are pretty weak. I I don't think there's any argument against it. It's just bad. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, right, the, the first game had the appropriation. That, that's a conversation that we can have and that we've had before. But, like, when they did the sequel, it was always going to come back. They yeah. weren't going to suddenly say, yeah, everyone wears tuxedos now. Like they had, <laughs> it was too baked in that they wanted to show this tribe that like reset culturally, so they just went for like cave people, okay. Jeez. But then they mixed in a lot of like Native American things. They had this whole, you know, tribes are. There's a whole war paint backwards. system now. Yeah, exactly. You unlock they, they different war paints. into it. Yeah. They. they there could have been a way to like look at it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing ideas for a video game. I've never designed a video game, so this is going to be wrong. Um, but they, you know, they could have had just a Native American character in there. Like, it's set in America. <laughs> Why are they no fucking Native yeah, Americans in there? Yeah, they could have easily done like, that. Just have it. There's Asian people in this game. Like, um, there are people who are clearly from Asia. Um, I don't know if they call it Asia in Horizon Law, but, you know, they, they could have had someone who's actually Native American. They could have found archives about Native American history. They could have... San Francisco, one of the main settings of the game, has changed hand like eight times by different colonizers. 
Like it's been owned by the English and the French and the Mexicans and the Spanish, as well as being owned by the people who actually lived there and now being owned by America. So they could have just looked at it a lot more. And instead they've done, he has some war paint. He has a literal chief's headdress for Aloy to wear. It's just weird. I just, I don't know why they've gone back to it. I think the criticism of it is from people who think it's fine is like, well, it's just for fun. It's just a game. It doesn't matter. You get upset about nothing. I'm not really upset about it. Like, my job as a critic is to look at things in games and to analyze them. And I think to set a game in a, in the land time forgot, oh, and also it's America, to clearly use Native American um, imagery, to use, it's, they even call it war paint. They don't call it makeup. Like, the car just stuff is makeup, it's eyeliner and it's lipstick, but, like, the other stuff is war paint. It's camouflage, it's the yeah. stripes, it's the, the tribal patterns. They're clearly taking these cues and word things from Native Americans, and if a Native American developer wanted to make a game about Native American culture and, you know, tribes of people across America, they, they now can't make it because it's Horizon. That game exists now. Yeah. Any I, person who tried to make a Native American game about tribes in America would now be told you're just making Horizon. Even if they yeah, took out the robot dinosaurs. Oh, it's just like Horizon. Yeah. It's the same with Sifu. If, a, if a, an Asian developer tries to make a Kung Fu simulator all about you know, mastering the art of, of Kung Fu and the importance of those moves, it's just Sifu. Except Sifu was made by a white guy who you know went to China and did some fighting or whatever the fuck he did. Who hasn't, you know? <laughs> so there's two arguments i constantly see uh around this topic the first one is sort of an appeal to the narrative of the game and the idea that like all of it is justified by the plot um which is absurd because people just wrote this story the story wasn't like born from god or something like somebody wrote it um there's a really old folding ideas video where he he names this the thermian argument after the uh, the aliens from Galaxy Quest, who, if you haven't seen the movie, they don't have a word for fiction. They don't know what fiction is, so they read everything as if it's um, <laughs> historical text. That's why they mm. think the show Galaxy Quest really happened, because they don't understand what made-up things are. Um, Horizon is made up, all of it, and they could have made it up a different way. You You have to understand that. Like, there's no narrative justification for cultural appropriation in Horizon because all of it was created by people that wrote a story. Yeah, the aesthetic could have been completely different. It could have been could have, literally any. Still had robot dinosaurs and stuff. They, they decided they, to make it tribal. Yeah, they could have had way more robotic stuff. They could have had. They could have had like a futuristic but historical cyberpunk thing. Yeah, like with like cybernetics thing that that would have been new and cool. And that wouldn't have medieval would have worked off. in this context. Yeah. Like, I think it could they could have had um like scrap. They could have made our culture today like scraps and vestiges of that, like wearing ties but not knowing how ties work. You know, because yeah. a tie has no purpose. Like our clothes, a t-shirt has a purpose. You know, a jumper has a purpose. Keeps you warm. Shoes keep your feet safe. A tie has no purpose, and yet most professional male adults. Wear them for four years. Not this guy. That, they could have done something with that. Like they could have done something really interesting with it, and they just went for the most basic answer. I think the narrative justification. I know, I know I'm talking a lot. Sorry, but I think the narrative justification works 
for Forbidden West in that they were never going to change it from Zero Dawn. Yeah. But that puts more pressure on them to understand the why people, not even the mistake they made, but why people have an issue with it. And they've just completely ignored it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's the first thing is like, you, yep. you can't tell me the plot of horizon as a justification because the plot was made up. The second thing is that it's not offensive because they're not making fun of, you know, these cultures or they're not making fun of native Americans. It's not used to insult them. Um, and the problem with, with that is that I don't, th- if you make that argument, I don't think you understand what the issue with cultural appropriation actually is. No, it's appropriation is not mugging. That's the point. Yeah. It's not that it's, it's not that it's racism in the sense that one person is being mean to another person based on their ethnicity. The, the issue is that your the, the game takes an entire culture and its signifiers and turns it into an aesthetic. There's nothing. There's no relation between the way people dress and look and act in Horizon to the actual historical or cultural uh, origins, right? And no, it that's, just looks cool. That's, that's the issue. Cool. Yeah, the issue is that it's a bunch of stuff that just looks cool, and I see people even say that, like as a defense, like it doesn't mean anything. It's just because it looks cool. But that's exactly the problem, because all of those things have meaning to two people <laughs> and it's the same issue with sifu like like um when, when we saw those i don't know if we touched about this on the show but the the press kits that went out yeah, that were just a bunch of like random plastic tat like artifacts appropriating that imagery and a lot of stuff to do with culture that is meaningful in the right context but it was just being sent to influences as well, right, it was like cool it videos. was like it would be like sending pages of the bible and a crucifix and going like oh those wacky white people Exactly. Exactly. With with no explanation, like it didn't even tell you like what it was and what it does and why in the history and the like. That's the problem with Horizon. It's completely disconnected mm. from the things it's borrowing. Yeah, it doesn't justify I think, them. I don't think. I think the issue is like we're we're white people talking about it, and we're saying that we think this thing is wrong because of it's our job as kind of critics to point out things in, in media. There will be some Native American people who play this and don't have a problem with it. Sure. It's the same debate mm-hmm. with the, the whole Latinx thing, and that some Latin people really don't like that. They think it's um, white people essentially gentrifying their language, mm-hmm. and some people, um, they like that. They don't like that they, their own language is so gendered, they feel more seen and more, they think it's more inclusive to do it with the X on the end. Um I think three white people having a conversation probably isn't ever going to fix it. But the biggest issue with it really is how much of a sticking point it becomes for people. Like, mm. it's okay to like the game. Like, I didn't give it a, ten, a perfect 10 out of 10, but I like the game. I can still criticize and say I think this thing is bad. And I think more so than most issues in games, more so than, like, saying I think the um, super ultimate attacks are too complicated, once you get a, a phrase like cultural appropriation, People that go very binary with this means this game is terrible. Yeah. Or, um, well, I think this game is great, so I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. Yeah, they'll take it as almost an offense. They're like, oh, you can't it, say something it, negative or, or like critical about this game I love, but like you can still enjoy something and approach it from that perspective. You're saying this game is racist and I like it, so you're calling me a racist. Uh, no, that's like, not what it means. 
it's a weird comparison to, to connect like being trans and, and skin color. I am aware of that, but if you will indulge me, mm. I I watched this. I spoke before. You know, The Simpsons is my favorite show ever. I love The Simpsons. I have just about everything you can imagine with The Simpsons on it. The Simpsons has some really weird transphobic jokes in it, especially yeah. like post season thirteen, mm. and they they're just really weird transphobic jokes. Like it doesn't mean everyone who watches it is terrible, um, and it doesn't make doesn't. Oddly, it doesn't make me love it any less. Like, I'm aware of these things. I've been aware of these things for years. Like, some of these episodes are 15, 16 years old. But you can love a thing and understand that there are reasons some people just aren't going to go near it and reasons why people will find it um, inappropriate or will ask for things to be done better and for things to be explored more sensitively, especially right. when it's such a huge project. This is not like an indie game that we are going after for not being perfect and we're trying to like shut them down. This game's going to make millions. It's PlayStation's biggest game of the year, like most likely. Yeah, I presume God of War doesn't come out, which I don't yeah. think it will. It's going to yeah. be their, it's, their, it's the only thing they've got on the slate is this and God of War. Mm-hmm. A lot of mid stuff, but... Day's gone too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a really good point. It, it's... And it's, you know, it, t- it all ties into console war and the sort of like mm-hmm. gamer identity and stuff. But I, I think th- it, if we can all acknowledge that art can be problematic and still have value, then we can we can have better conversations yeah. about media that we consume. I mean, it, it's it's baffling to me and to like to all of us as, as critics that somebody would spend so much of their time and so much of their life. Uh, consuming media and not really ever engaging with it or like being like emotionally resistant to uh, to like pointing out its flaws or like actually critiquing it. Like I, I think engaging with this stuff is really important and Horizon is problematic and it's also a super fun game. It's both of those things. Yeah. And it can be both those things. I don't think any, I don't think any reasonable person can even argue that it's not. It, it things can have flaws and still be massively enjoyed by millions. Right. Yeah. And yet like there are people that would hear our, our whole hour conversation that we've had uh, and take from it that we like hate this game and we just, Oh, it does not matter now. It does does not matter that we, I said I did every single fight possible. It does not matter that we, it doesn't even matter that we spoke about how the story could be improved because we want to love it so much. And because we, see the potential in Horizon and want it to just be able to connect the dots up. We said yeah. it was a racist game. We hate yeah. it. I mean, not our listeners, not the actual people that listen to the show. No, no, no. <laughs> They're all geniuses. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the the platonic idea of a gamer, um, yeah. yeah, like like wrote off everything we had to say about the game as soon as I said, like, cultural appropriation bad. Um, yeah, I mean, we were speaking briefly before we started recording about, like, I didn't give it a perfect 10. And mm. I got a lot of people kind of criticizing the review in really the weirdest of ways. I'll mention it on the air, actually. Um, uh, my review was one of the shorter reviews that came out, but it was also not the lowest, not by a long way, but on the lower end. And, you know, people criticized it for being bloated, which is just the opposite of what it was. That's just mm. an incorrect criticism. Um, and I think people just read the score and decide whether they like you or not. Yeah. And I think it's the same with things like this. There's no real room. I don't want to say there's no real room because I think there's a lot of people who like this kind of media critique and there's lots of sites who build themselves on 
intelligent critique. But for a lot of people, there's no room for that kind of nuance in games. Um, so it's weird that they think games are art because they aren't prepared to look at them artistically. <laughs> They're not willing to engage with them on the same terms as other how, how fun are they? Right. How many hours pretty? of fun do I get? Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about Machine Strike. <laughs> okay. <laughs> JD, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Is it the board game thing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. In the spirit of Gwent, and I swear there was another game that did this. The game uh, within the game? Final Fantasy Final VII. Final Fantasy VII integrates. It? It's more, like, this. I, it's more yeah. like that. Yeah. It's like Final Fantasy VII integrates thing mixed with chess and also Fire Emblem. Oh, yes. mate, this sounds it great. Is, it's a it's, not. it's a turn-based oh. tactics board game. It could be great. It it's not bad. Is it too I, complicated? No, I think the opposite. And also, <laughs> you don't have all the pieces. Like you start, it's like playing chess, but you start with like here is a bishop, a rook, and a pawn. Go yeah. and find the rest of them in the world. It's like, no, I just want to play chess. Just give me all the chess pieces, and I will learn how to play the game. So, like like most tactics games, it has uh, advantage, like a tax of advantage. Mm. But it's it's almost like the normal combat. There's like kind of too many layers of modifiers to your attacks. So mm. you've got like a You've got like uh, machines, you've got pieces, they represent machines. You've got pieces that get a plus one if they're on a, sp- on a grass tile, but then they get a, a, uh, another plus one if they're elevated, if they're one level above. But then each piece has their own defense side and vulnerability side. So yeah. you're also trying to attack them from the right angle. And it's like... It's it's all good ideas that you can't. It never really plays out as strategically as you think it should, because no, you, every game you end up just throwing your pieces at their pieces. That's what I do in you, Fire Emblem. That is, yeah. You can't really actively plan to like. I am going to attack you from um, the side, from the right hand side, while I am on an elevated piece of ice. Because then they just move away. <laughs> you yeah. can't tell them anymore. It's kind of like if it happens, it's cool. But you can't. Yeah. I, I never feel. I, I've played a lot of Machine Strike. <laughs> I Unfortunately, the whole first day of this game, like I got up Friday morning. I was like, I'm ready. I'm going to spend the whole day. And I just Machine Strike for hours. <laughs> There's something wrong with me. Uh, Is it the and- numbers? Are their numbers going up? <laughs> it's just, it's totally my jam. I'm, I love the idea of Machine Strike. But yeah, you, you get to move two of your like six or eight pieces per turn. You get like one move and one attack, or you can sacrifice some of your health to attack again. Um, and it, I could never ever set anything up. And I don't think I'm bad at it because I play these games all the time. Like this is one of my like favorite genres. And it just felt like I was putting pieces out there and reacting, just waiting for something to happen. And it teaches you all these rules. You do like tutorial after tutorial after tutorial, learning all the mechanics of Machine Strike. 
And then it feels like when you play it, you're just like, I'm going to put my pieces down and see what happens. It <laughs> <laughs> is like Fire Emblem, though. Like you teach them all the certain things, you give some of them aerial strengths, you give some of them balls, and he just kind of goes, Yeah, like Bernadette, you can attack there. She kills everyone. Like, yeah. She, she's amazing. I love Bernadette. Turn permadeath off. <laughs> the other thing is like the first, the first machine strike person like the one that teaches you the game rewards you with a bunch of pieces when you beat her mm. but then after that if you want to keep building your your stock you gotta buy them with the same scrap and shit that you buy actual weapons with so every time oh, you no. get to a shop eric eric you play collectible card games in real life you know how this thing works the first <laughs> set is free and then you have to keep paying for more it should it's have its just, own currency yeah, but- but I don't have to buy weapons to fight for my life. <laughs> like that's yeah, true. Like when I do but my Taylor budget, pay rent, so there's that. That's true. Taylor does not pay. She rent. don't pay taxes. She's got loads of expendable income. It, it's a it's a really hard choice when you get to the store and it's like, do I want to buy this bow that's going to keep me alive, or do I want to buy these pieces for my board game? <laughs> do you want to buy my Games Workshop miniatures or a gun? Yeah, like, <laughs> miniatures or a gun? Yeah, that's really what it's like. I'm sure if you if you you know play this game for 500 hours, like I'm sure a lot of people will. Eventually, you have enough money that you can just buy whatever you want. But I want to play Machine Strike. <laughs> and I can't justify the investment because I need to buy bombs and shit. It's fiscally too. irresponsible <laughs> in the context of Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, it's uh, uh, like like we just said before. Other games have done this. Uh, Gwent is a better game than Machine Strike, a hundred percent. But I I appreciate it is still kind of bold to to try to put a whole board game within your open world fighty fighty game so it's a game which is already a little bit too full of things and they've added a new thing it's commendable if nothing they else they have more things in the third one like just you wait <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah horizon good game but we're on the same page it it has more potential than what it than what it uh, reaches yeah i'm i'm surprised i'm surprised that it got so many perfect scores to be honest because everyone that i've spoken to Away from like review discourses, kind of going, yeah, it's it's good, but it's just not quite there. It's more it's, Horizon, like that that fine. No, just people are free to give whatever score they want. I'm sure that I've given some scores that have been disagreed with previously. Um, just the, the the universal this is perfect that I got, followed by Elden Ring, which got the same. I just think, nah, mm. it's not perfect. It's just not. Um, we have a small handful of uh our answers to our listener question of the week, which was your favorite open world game of all time and why. Oh, fitting. Yeah, so I want to go Elden over this really quick. That's yours, Jade, really? <laughs> no. Well, it's it's in the top three, I think. Wow. We'll, we'll, get we'll talk about that next week, yeah. What what's your what, what are your three uh, favorite open world games? Oh, my three. Breath of the Wild is definitely there. God. I can't think of any open world games now. <laughs> you want me to pull a list up? <laughs> yeah. I guess okay, The Witcher this... 3 is pretty fantastic. There's oh, so yeah. much like don't count as open world, isn't there? You like, have to pull a list I mean, up. I don't know. Dragon Age Inquisition, I'm going to put down and say is 
I'm going to put that as my favourite, and I reserve the right uh-huh. to move. Oh, Red Dead Redemption Two. No, I'm changing it already. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption Two. Two is my favourite. That game is game. fantastic. Yeah, that's that's on my list. Followed by Dragon Age Inquisition, and then if does does Arkham City count as an open world game? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a bit contained. I suppose it is. It's just the scope of open world game these days. Like it's very. Arkham Knight is so Red much Dead. bigger. Isn't you can't it? go um, to the ocean in Arkham City. Yeah. But yes, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Arkham City on the list. I think for the time that it came out and for how good everything in that game is. Okay, I've got my three now. Okay, I've got Elden Ring. I'm gonna put it there. Breath of the Wild and Red Dead Two. I think those are my three. I haven't played Dragon Age, so I can't really put those in. I I said this earlier. I don't love open world games. I feel like too often they're what's the expression? Mile wide and an inch deep. Mm. Skyrim, um, uh, but I will say my my favorite is, is definitely New Vegas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get you. Uh, it came out in a, at a time in my life when I could do nothing but dedicate it to New Vegas. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of responsibilities in uh, 2006 or whatever. So 2010, I think. Um, all right, I had a few more responsibilities. games. Yeah, but I just it, no game has made me feel like lost in the world the way that yeah, it's a good answer. Vegas that did. game is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, our listeners said uh, they're the only ones that matter. Uh, Zig Krill says GTA Vice City. A great confluence between the nascent open world genre and engaging storytelling. As a sequel to the game that started it all, it had so many lessons that so many imitators failed to learn. That's uh, such a good answer. I feel a little bit embarrassed. That I didn't even think of GTA for my <laughs> selections. I yeah, um, GTA Vice City is great. I didn't. The, the soundtrack in Vice City as well. The vibe of that world is is still quite special. I think I would put four as my favorite GTA, but I can't argue that anyone who says Vice City is the best. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting. Like ju- just as shooters used to be called Doom likes, we used to just call open world yeah. games GTA likes. Yeah, when Saints Row came out, it was oh this GTA clone. Well, that one is a GTA clone, but well, the first one, <laughs> the first two, I'd say. I yeah, think, you, I think... by, uh, uh, people say about Saints Row, like by the end, you, you can run up buildings and like True. you get a dubstep gun that makes people's eyes bulge out and pop, and there's a you can throw chum at people so a shark descends from the heavens and eats. I them. think three is when it really it's abandoned re- that moniker. It was like, yeah, this is Saints Row. I don't you go to hell and shoot William Shakespeare. I'm one of them. Oh god, that expansion! I've played most <laughs> GTAs. I've finished several of them. I guess I don't have a ton of nostalgia for GTA because. Too many responsibilities. It's a little cringy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's it, fair. It just, it t- I can't even say it hasn't aged well because, like, I think the current GTA Online is cringy. Oh, so cringe. Um, yeah, but no, I get it. I have a, beloved, right? Like, most one of the most successful franchises of all time. It's got to be right. Oh, I think it's like actually- five sold like more than the Bible. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Probably. Pa- Patrick Michello said, Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction was incredibly influential. See Prototype in Saints Row 4 and still plays great today. Anybody play Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction? I did. I, That's a I good game. I played Prototype in Saints Row 4 and can vouch that they're both good. Incredible. I think, who made Ultimate Destruction? I think it might have been Pandemic who, or Volition. Maybe mm. it was a Volition joint. I can't Volition remember. would make sense. If but that game, is, that game was good. It, it was... 
it wasn't like deep or nothing like that. It was just like an open world Hulk game with a big emphasis on like environmental destruction. Yeah, I was about to say, what does Hulk do for for quests? Like, what does uh, Hulk do besides smash? Uh, that's kind of what that game is. He loves it's a lot on. of smashing. <laughs> It sounds cool. Uh, Hulk in Marvel's Avengers is pretty shit. So <laughs> most of that game is. Don't worry. <laughs> it's Troy Baker. Uh, and then Sam says, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 for its incredible immersion and realism when you're walking through swamps and getting muddy. With headphones on, listening to every noise and animal in the distance. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Red Dead. The immersion. Must be good. The immersion. <laughs> that that game is that game doesn't feel like a video game in in a really pretentious way. Like there are only a few <laughs> game worlds I can think of where it, it does things with its systems where you lose yourself and you forget. You just start exploring like this world is a reflection of itself. Whereas a lot of other games like GTA, you, there's enough stuff in it where you're like, oh yeah, this is this is mechanical in the way it's working, and I can see through. Mm. The one thing with Red Dead that didn't have that though is the missions. Like yeah. it's the mission with the train where like if you go around the train to the I can't remember clockwise and clockwise, but if you go the wrong way, it's like, oh the mission fails because you try to create your own set pieces, it's almost like, like whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Stay on the track. The open world lets you do whatever you want and the missions say, No, 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 you've had your fun. Yeah. Do this exact thing in this exact order. Yeah. It's very discordant in that regard. Which I is think. It, yeah. that's what Grand Theft Auto does too. Yeah. The missions have uh, checkpoints now, at least. Um, I, for, I missed one. Nick Mitchell says, Witcher 3 is the only right answer. I assume that's a, a keen... All <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Eight out of ten. Keen Get out of here. To the game. <laughs> you don't work here anymore. Uh, um, thanks, everybody, that uh, chimed in on that. For next week, uh, in honor of Elden Ring, tell Ooh. us your favorite Souls boss or Souls moment? Your favorite Souls memory? I think boss, right? Let's do boss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell us, you uh, Twitter, use hashtag AskTheGamer. Tell us your favorite Souls boss of all time. And we'll read those on the show next week. And that's it. We did it. Horizon. Any final Horizon thoughts? I'm going to play more of it. I'm, gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm still early, but... I, I fell off the first horizon, so I've kind of come into this just thinking, change my mind, and it might, it might not. We'll find out. I had to stop because Destiny exists. Um, yeah, but I, I really hope I can go back and finish it. I'm still uh, like, I don't think either of you have seen the best part of the game. From I've said, certainly okay. you have because you haven't started yet. Um, but the the later bits are a lot better than the earlier bits, not just because like, not just because they new and have more weapons like the world building gets progressively better weird nice that's encouraging then i will definitely get back to it okay thank you both and thanks for listening we'll see you next week